0: Um, this week we're going to be taking actually for the next few weeks we're going to be taking a break from the Gospel of Luke and um, starting a new series uh, just an intermittent series here on on faith living holy or sorry living holy and pleasing to God um, it's going to be talking some about Romans chapter twelve and fifteen uh, this is part of Romans the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome it's the so how you should live now is part of that letter. Um, I've been thinking about this and actually this this break from Luke came after some conversations and thinking some about over those last few months and how, uh, thinking about there's all kinds of angst right now in the world. There's angst about health, about the pandemic. There's angst about, for some people, about paying bills. There's angst that the governments governments aren't doing enough. Then there's some who are saying the governments are overreacting. Uh, Even in their church, there's questions of how we should respond. Some uh, thinking, you know, should we resist this infringement on religious rights, or should we comply like model citizens? In our current world, um, what is a good response for the church? And what do we do when there's disagreement even within the church about what that looks like? I know many of you are asking similar questions. Some of you are feeling some of these tensions. Um, some of how many of you have seen or heard stories about a church and thought to yourself like, wow, good for them, that's, that's perfect or thought, oh man, that's, that's horrible, why did they do that? Um, where do we go for answers on how do we deal with stresses in the outside world? Where do we go with answers for how do we deal with stresses even in the church? Because um, we realize that um, there's even difference of opinion here in, in our church, that um, even things that we have different ideas about, about what's going on right now, about how things happen or why they're happening. And you know, I just want to say first of all, one, that's normal. Uh, You get a room like this with this many people, there's going to be different ideas about things. And so it's normal, okay, and it's natural. So for us to first realize that, but also too, but how do we honor Jesus in light of this fact and have different options about how, sorry, different opinions about how do we remain one body united in Christ? That's why I love the Word of God. That it's not just a bunch of old stories and a bunch of -of out-of-date things. It actually continues to speak to us in the world that we live in and continues to guide our lives. Before we get into Romans, just looking here, just to say a little bit about this, for those of you who haven't read Romans or haven't read it recently, is that Romans was a letter written by Paul, uh, an apostle, written around the year 55 A.D., so about 20 to 25 years after Jesus uh, died and rose again. And so he's probably writing from um, modern-day Greece, a town called Corinth and writing to a church in Rome that most scholars, they're thinking that he probably hadn't been to this church before. Uh, Some of the formalities that he used, they kind of think that maybe Paul actually hasn't visited this church yet. And yet he's writing them to encourage them in faith and to encourage them in unity. The first eleven chapters of Romans explain about the fallen nature of humanity, how Jesus saves us all, and how Gentiles have an equal place in God's kingdom alongside Jewish believers. The thing is, as you read Romans, it sounds actually like maybe that church was predominantly Gentiles, and who were maybe being a bit too hard on their Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, Paul's point in this letter was one that both have been saved by grace, both Jews and Gentiles, and to treat each other with honor and to respect each other. So, let's dig into this text, all right? Verse uh, 1, so if you want to open your Bibles to chapter 12, uh, it's all going to be up here as well, but this is uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, this is the head sentence, this is like kind of the main idea for the next four chapters of Romans, this uh, sentence here. And I want to just underline this word, therefore. This therefore is kind of, you think like, therefore, you know, what does this come from? He's actually saying, therefore, everything that he has been talking about in the previous 11 chapters, everything, therefore, live this way now. And he talks, too, about, uh, in terms of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy here, um, in one famous part, Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, still dead in our sins, separated from God, through Jesus through his life, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his ascension to to heaven again, to the throne at God's right hand. Because of all this, we have been reconciled to God. Our sin has been forgiven, and we have a new relationship with God that leads into a new life, a new way of living, and a sort of life that goes on forever with him. So Paul says this, he says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, in one sense, this makes, uh, um, this makes sense in terms of he's saying, you know, live, uh, make sacrifices as we follow Jesus. And what he's talking about here is, like, devote your life to him fully. Um, and because being devoted to Jesus means sacrifices in this world. I mean, one, uh, we have take less for ourselves and share more with others. It means in terms of sacrifices in time, sacrifices in care for others. So sacrifice means um, there are sacrifices to be made in following Jesus. But as I was studying this week, I also realized there was a second realization that I, has, I had as I was studying this. <clears throat> that actually, in most, um, most translations that you see, they say, offer your bodies as, a living, as living sacrifices. But in the Greek, it's actually um, living in sacrifices. The living, word living is only is one of three modifiers, and let me show you. It actually is written sort of more like this in Greek. So offer your body as sacrifices. The first description is living. Living, here, and the word behind this is the Greek word zoe, which you don't need to worry too much about, but um, it does mean, is not just, not just bias, not just breathing in and out, not just existing, but living. It's talking some about the depth and quality of life. I often think of zoe, I think of uh, John chapter 10, when Jesus comes and he says, or Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more full. The word he's using there is zoe. I'm come to giving you life deeper, more meaningfully. Okay? okay? So he's offering your life as sacrifices as living, holy. This means following God's way, doing things the way that God has described, or the way that God has commanded us to live, and pleasing to God. Now, I think about this and how it sort of changes the idea of sacrifices. He's saying offer your whole life as a living, truly alive. Holy, doing it God's way, and pleasing to God. Not just, you know, checking the religious boxes. Not just trying to avoid sin, but actually trying to live lives that are pleasing to God. Think about that for a moment. Think about, like, kids. how like You think, like, man, your kids are trying not to just do things right, you know? They're not just trying to not get in trouble. They actually, we love it when they try to please us as parents. And so for us, to not just try to avoid sin, but actually to try to live lives that please God. All right. So, then Paul says this, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, it's interesting, this word spiritual here, um, it's very common, as I was reading through most of the translations. The Greek word behind it, though, is, is logicane, which the root for that is logical, logic. And I hear Paul saying this, and not only this is your spiritual act of worship, but almost more like, this is, this is like your right response. This is the right thing you should do. Given everything that God has done for us, this is the right thing you should do, would be to offer your bodies as sacrifices, living, holy, and pleasing to God. That's, that's like the logical thing to do. Alright, Paul moves on further to explain what offering our bodies as sacrifices look like. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word to conform here has this connotation, don't act like, don't put on a facade, don't try to be like the world around us. I think what Paul is implying here is that when we begin following Jesus, we become a new creation. God's Spirit begins dwelling in us, and we are a new creation in Christ. And so when we try to live like the world, it's actually it's like we're trying to be something that we're not. But he says this, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say fill your head with a bunch of Christian theology. He says be transformed. Now, understanding and knowledge are a part of how we are transformed. But many of us know people who know a lot about God or the Bible but have no interest in following Jesus. So there's a difference here between just knowing stuff. He's saying be transformed by what we know. We have to integrate what we know into our lives in the way that we live. And this happens by the renewing of our mind. Through spiritual practices like reading Scripture, reading the Word of God, praying, Praying regularly, on a daily basis, throughout the day, serving other people, uh, getting spiritual direction from friends who will say, you know, what you're talking about right now, it doesn't sound like God is in that. We need friends who will speak honestly with us. All of these things help us to renew our mind, help us to renew our understanding of who God is and how we should live in light of that. Then Paul says this, he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you're close to God, you will see, you'll not only um, begin doing things His way, but you'll be able to see and realize what God is doing. You'll see His will in your life. Being transformed more like Jesus helps us see what God is doing. It helps us to recognize the direction that God is leading. The further we are from God, the harder it is to realize when He's speaking to us the harder it is for us to see that this is the way God is calling me, not this direction. It says this, you will realize His good, that God's will is good for us. It is pleasing. It is pleasing to Him. And when we follow Him, we will realize it is pleasing to us, and for us, and it's perfect. That God's will is right where we want to be. Now, these first two verses are rich. This, this is actually Just the first two verses. This is like the the theme for the next four verses. This is rich stuff. Tons of stuff to be looking at. Tons of stuff for, uh, for us here. But it's essentially saying this. Because of God's gracious gift, your life is a sacrifice. Living, holy, and pleasing to God. Not following the world, but actually being transformed by God then you'll be able to recognize him and the direction he's leading. So this is the the theme sentence for the next few weeks for us, okay? But that's great, but where do we start? And it's interesting because Paul starts with the unity of the church, with how we stick together. Now, because I suspect this, that if we can't stick together in here, then we'll have no credibility with people out there. So, it's important for us as a church, not that we all have to think the same, that's fine if you have difference of opinions about things, but that we continue to love each other and stick together. Paul begins with this, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Essentially, Paul is saying, stay humble. When you act like you're more important than other people, all sorts of problems and divisions begin to crop up. He says this, But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Be real with yourself in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So the thing is, we are all sinful in terms of we all struggle with sin in our lives. All of us. Each of us are tempted. None of us have it all figured out. And apart from Jesus and His sacrifice, none of us would even be here right now. And we need to be real with each other. When we think about ourselves rightly, as people who have sin, struggles with sin, but are forgiven, who are broken but loved by God, then it's easier to stay connected. It's easier to be gracious with each other. It's easier to be forgiving of one another and accepting of each other. As Paul says, in accordance with the measure, then Paul says this. He says, in accordance with the measure of faith. Now, in our culture, we tend to read this individually like each of us gets a different measure of faith but when Paul says it here he says uh, as the measure of faith God has given to you now in English it just looks like you It could be singular or plural but in Greek it's actually you all. God has given all of you, all of you together a measure of faith. So it's interesting because in our cultures tend to to read that individually but in Greek it's actually the exact opposite we've all been given the same measure of faith so realize this with sober judgment and love one another that we have been joined by this common measure of faith then paul says this he says just as each one of you just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others he's essentially saying we all have different gifts which make us suitable for different roles But all are important parts of the body. No one in this room, listen to this, no one in this room is dispensable. We all have different gifts, he says. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage if it's, continuing, it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give it generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. While there's a whole lot we could begin to dive into these different verses or these different gifts and, and figure out what they mean for us in terms of how to use these gifts, Paul's point here is that these are all, there's all these different gifts, but there's still one church. There's many limbs, but one body many Christians but one Christ. Our diversity is meant to serve the group, not splinter us off into different factions. Now, this is crucial for us, for the church right now. Our culture has always had fractures and fragments, but it's becoming even more fragmented right now. People have stopped talking in person and taken up social media or the internet as places to vent their views, to complain, even to try and manipulate other people. The problem is that everybody on the internet is anonymous. You can't I find people will say things on the internet that they would never say in person. Not only that, but our culture has become divided. Or even more divided is probably the better way to say it. The thing is, there's divided lines between us getting chopped up in our culture is being chopped up along political lines, along gender lines, along racial lines, along sexual preference lines. Along economic lines, along economic, sorry, social lines, along whether you wear a mask line or not wear a mask line, all these different lines, all these different groups that are being fragmented out. You name it, there's probably a division for it. And with COVID, the pressure is just more. The pressure has gotten worse. People are feeling pressure economically, politically. And it's no surprise to me that r- racial tensions, boiling over, political tensions are boiling over all these things that were on a slow simmer for the longest time now with the extra pressure of everything that's happening with um, pandemic measures and what that means for people and their jobs and things like that all of these pressures begin boiling over. So as a church what role do we play? What's our response? Well first of all I would say it's not joining the shouting, that's not how we should respond but rather obeying the word of God, especially when it calls us to love one another. That in and of itself right now is a prophetic act. To have difference of opinions, even strong opinions, but remain together. That is rare in our culture right now. That is prophetic. That is the sort of thing that people would say, like, you know, I don't know how you Christians do it, but I respect that. continue to love each other regardless, to seek to understand each other, to have spirit of conversations, but conversations that always end in praying together and continuing to care for one another, as far as it's up to us to stick together. Now, I know for some you may think, is that all we can do? Is just stick together? I think right now that would be an amazing testimony to Christ, for us to stick together well. Now, I say that because there will be times when we say things, I've seen it even in the last few months, short interactions where people don't mean anything by it, but you can see, like, oh, like, um, someone will come and say, oh, let me give you a hug, and some other person will say, like, no, I'm not hugging right now. And then the other person, so the first person is a bit offended because the person's trying to hug them, and the second person is offended because, like, there's nothing wrong with me, why can't I hug you? And so this misunderstanding happens. But for us as a church, to be gracious with each other to be forgiving, to continue to care for each other. This is merely the first step in offering our bodies as sacrifices. Living, fully alive, holy, following God and pleasing to Him. Recognizing that valuing our differences and gifts and perspectives, that we recognize these differences but we remain one in Christ because we belong to Him and we belong to each other. We are like parts of a body. Nobody wants to cut off parts of the body. And if the body you can't do without your arms, just like an eye can't say to the ear, "We don't need you." So for us it's to stick, for us to stick together, this is what I hear God speaking to us this morning. Amen.